0: And welcome to the film cast, the podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I watched Scream 5. I enjoyed Scream 5, but I still prefer the Babadook. Joining me today <laughs> is Devinder
1: Hardwar. I can't wait for the Scream movie about the true crime podcast about the events of the
0: last Scream movie. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata.
2: You know, there are certain rules about doing a podcast. One of them is never say, I'll be right back.
0: <laughs> I'll be right back. Those are, of course, all very oblique references to the fact that today we're going to be reviewing Scream 5 on the podcast. Now, if you're a patron of ours at patreon.com slash you know that we have been cramming in these Scream films uh, as exclusive After Dark episodes. And we've been reviewing them with awesome guests, again, over at patreon.com slash podcast. We are super excited. It, it honestly felt like, you know, uh, it, it's it's been a while since I feel like we've like engineered this much anticipation for ourselves on the show. It was... It was a very good decision I think. Yeah, it's helpful. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And uh and it was great. It was great to like watch the the Apple iTunes store flip over and Scream 5 finally become available on video on demand. We we
1: were um, all having our own scream uh, you know, celebration parties so, like yeah. the fireworks went off and
0: we hit play. It was great. Yeah, but
2: Percy came sure... in and murdered all those people. <laughs>
0: Be sure to tune into our uh, exclusive After Darks over at patreon.com slash film podcast, where we reviewed Screams 1 through 4, and we're really excited to welcome Jordan Cruciola to the podcast for our review this week of Scream 5 later on. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slash filmcast, uh, I'm sorry, thefilmcast.com. Email us at Filmcast at gmail.com. Uh, before we get to our very in-depth conversation about Scream 5, we got some what we've been watching to give to you. But first of all, I also want to mention, you know, speaking of the Patreon, that next week, a major movie comes out. Uh, The first major movie that's come out basically since Scream 5, (laughs) and it is The Batman. The The Batman. Batman. The Batman. Batman. The
2: Batman. I'm sick of watching all these uh,
0: Batmans.
1: No. The Batman Batman. Batman. I think it's actually pronounced The Batman.
0: (laughs) Mm. Sorry, go ahead, Dimitri.
1: I mean, Batman uh, versus we, 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 I just want Batman. I want yeah, Batman. I,
0: enough, enough Batman V things. Enough just Batman. Yeah, the with, Batman. We have the Batman. The
1: Batman. Yeah. Uh,
2: I was going to save this for our Batman review, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell this quick anecdote now. Mm. Uh, I, I saw the Batman yes. uh, at a, at a screening uh, the other night and when i arrived at the movie theater i uh it, it was in in a multiplex that had other things going on but you know where you walk up to the ticket taker uh was the same place that you you know would check into a, a press screening and so uh there was someone standing in front of me and uh the ticket taker at the uh, at the movie theater said are you here for the batman and, uh, oh no, are, you, are you here for Batman? And they're like, no, uh, uh,
3: yes. No, no, listen,
2: don't ruin my timing on the dog. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He goes, he goes, are you here for Batman? And the guy goes, no, uh, Spider-Man. And I just thought, what a world, <laughs> what a world <laughs> we live in where it literally, it literally was like close.
0: <laughs> I'm here for one of the man movies. Yeah, I mean, but... I'm
2: not here for the Batman. I'm here for the Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm, I just thought mm-hmm. that was very funny that mm-hmm. uh you know, that's 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 the multiplex universe that we live in. It's uh, which which <laughs> super super man are you here to, to see the film of?
3: You know that, well, that's pretty, you pretty funny, funny Jeff. Jeff.
0: Yeah, yeah. But you the, the uh, we ha- at this point we have all seen uh the Batman. And we're going to be reviewing it early if everything goes according to plan. And if you are a patron, any patron at patreon.com slash film podcast, you will be getting our review early. We don't always get to review movies early. We don't always get to publish them early. But when we do, uh, we like to give patrons uh, an early taste of some of the biggest movies that come out every year. Absolutely. Patreon.com slash film podcast. Okay. Uh, Let's do some what we've been watching, folks. Let's talk about some stuff that we have been watching. Got a few things to talk about today. I'll start by mentioning, I watched a movie called Downfall, The Case Against Boeing. This is a documentary that's on Netflix. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. Uh, And this actually premiered at Sundance this year, and it debuted on Netflix recently. And this is a documentary that gets in, gets out. It knows exactly what it wants to do, which is create an extremely damning case against how Boeing neglected its safety and Mm -hmm. uh, that neglect... Resulted in the deaths of hundreds of people.
1: Boeing sucks.
0: Yeah. Uh, And this is particularly interesting to me just because Boeing used to be a a company that was deeply associated with Seattle. Um, One of the largest sort of Boeing plants is uh, or Boeing hangars, I guess, is just a couple miles away from where I'm sitting right now. So it's like a very uh, significant company in Seattle's history. And, uh, you know, the movie makes the case rather convincingly about how the thing that's interesting. About what this movie does is, is like, it's not just usually like one decision, right? It's it's never usually like one person did a terrible thing and then blah, you know. It's it's usually like a series of terrible decisions over time that degraded their uh, their sort of standards, uh, that increased their tolerance for risk, um, and that ultimately led to catastrophe. And that's what makes these kinds of things so difficult and complicated, right? It's it's hard to pin the, the blame on simply one person or one factor.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's just a lot of decisions that are made over the course of time. Um, so I think even in an era in which we are about to reach 1 million dead from COVID uh, and many of those deaths being preventable, Uh, that it's still worthwhile to see like, Hey, in, in this world where like we're dealing with untold tragedy every single day, uh, it's still worth examining how kind of these acute tragedies can occur and what can happen when, uh, you compromise safety and standards in the pursuit of profits. So that's something that Boeing, I'm sorry, downfall, the case against Boeing does it's airing right now on Netflix. Uh, speaking of things that are on Netflix, Love is Blind Season 2. Now, let me ask you guys this. Do you guys ever watch any of these dating reality shows? The Bachelor, The Bachelorette? No. Married at First Sight? Any Not of if this? I can help it. No? Uh, me neither. Me neither. But for some reason, uh, I, I have been sort of taken in by this world of Love is Blind. I mean, Love is Blind Season 1 hit, I think, around March, April of 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was like Right when we were starting to get into the pandemic and many cities were going into lockdown and a lot of us were inside the house watching Tiger King and, and Love is Blind. And do you guys know what the premise yeah. of this, this show is by any chance? No sort one? Sort of, sort of, yeah. <laughs> the the premise the is, yeah. is basically like people do, like 15 men and 15 women do this speed dating um, in these pods, but the the hitch is that they can't, they they can't see each other, right? They can only speak to each other, and there's like a wall between them. And the idea is, can they fall in love and become married at the end of the show <laughs> uh, from just talking to each other, right? Is is love truly blind, right? Like, can you make it work just from talking to each other without knowing what each other look without knowing what each other look like? Uh, but. The the kind of high concept premise quickly gives way to these people. Like the idea is you, you spend 10 days in these pods, you do the speed dating. And at the end, you need to propose to someone or not, and then they need to accept or not. And if they accept, then you go on a vacation, you meet each other's families. And then you decide whether or not you're actually going to get married. And the way it's done is everyone prepares <laughs> like they're going to get married. Like they get mm-hmm. dressed up. They invite their friends. And then they decide on the day of the wedding whether or not they're actually going to go through with it. And like, that's what the show is like building up to at the end of each season. And I'm just going to say, I think the show is both trashy and fascinating. I think yeah. it basically is like... dating?
1: It's trashy yeah. Because I think... This show sounds like the, the emotional damage meme, basically. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. As a TV show. Oh, for
0: sure. Because you end up, everyone ends up forming extremely strong opinions on like whether these people should be together, even though they are real life human beings that the show is only giving you a fraction of what their interactions are like. Um, And it is quite intoxicating. But it's also like ostensibly going through the motions of what someone would do if they're trying to make a romance work, right? Mm -hmm. You would talk to them. You would meet each other's families. You would try to integrate into each other's lives, right? Like, And that's what these people do. And it's kind of fascinating to see what modern romance is like, you know, on, on a national public stage. Um, so anyway, against my better judgment, I'm into it. And, uh, I've gotten really invested. So uh, I think a lot of other people are as well. Uh, but the show is love is blind season two. It's airing right now on Netflix. Uh, okay. Now that I said that all, are any of you at all interested in the show?
3: Nope.
0: Okay not well, even I've a little done, bit my I've wife my watches
1: some of these things and she she was disgusted with the concept and gave up after one episode I, so
0: yeah this is the kind of
2: thing that i think is actively making our world worse
0: mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. are you sure it was this specific show Divendra? because um there's also married at first sight which i would there, actually there argue there are many much worse. but I, I remember this one when, when the <laughs> pandemic started so yeah yeah okay fair enough and finally uh I watched every single episode of Euphoria that was ever made in the
3: time since the last I'm podcast. I'm shocked
0: right now, Dave, because that is like, that is a, that's
1: 20 <laughs> episodes of TV. That is so much TV. I told you to watch <laughs> Euphoria in 2019. What was the impetus for this?
2: This is, uh, Davindra, this is called not having children.
1: Yeah, apparently. <laughs> that, that, when when I see Dave do something like this, I'm like, man, must be nice to have free time. Yeah. Just like, just, you know, continual... Free time. It just
2: seems so T- blissful and amazing. Tell us more,
1: Dave. Tell us more.
0: Well, I'm gonna say season one. I think is extremely defensible as like a show. It's really it's, it's magnificent. It's it's yeah. the filmmaking is dazzling and it's mm-hmm. so ambitious and you know it's shot like a combination of like a David Fincher film and a Martin Scorsese film. Like mm-hmm. the camera is constantly in motion. Uh, it's whip pans and dollies and zooms and all this kind of stuff. And like visual effects to like Mm -hmm. stitch shots together. It's, it's incredible to watch. It's exhilarating. It's exhilarating. It's exhilarating. It's, it's so makes me in cinema. Yeah. What did you say, Jeff?
2: said
1: euphoric.
3: Maybe
0: it Mm -hmm. is euphoric. Mm -hmm.
1: Actually. It's like you're on drugs, which is, uh, guess what the show's about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and you really kind of each of the characters, the actors portraying them is like such Mm -hmm. a vivid portrayal. Mm -hmm. Um, and then season two, uh, I think, is is basically a disaster. I think it's very bad. Um, and like, I got through season one. I was like, "This is incredible! Wow, I understand yeah. why this is so popular now." Almost like somebody and, was telling you this uh, two years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Davindra, I I listened to you. You know, like I'm not a, I'm not even joking. Your uh, sort of uh, recommendation was part of the reason why I watched it. Right? It's not mm-hmm. not the all ol- mm-hmm. the only reason I watched it, but it's part of the reason why I watched it. Uh, another part of the reason was to understand all the memes. All the but, memes. Uh, I didn't want to have FOMO from the memes. Um, I think yeah, that's so really it, Dave. It's been your, two
1: years since I recommended the show. Your
2: recommendation? Uh, and three to 6% the reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's really it. Season two is interesting memes, because mm-hmm. uh, they shot the entire season on film. Mm -hmm. uh kodak actually had to do a whole like had to Mm redo part of their factories in order to produce enough film to support euphoria season two specifically and it has a great texture to it yeah Yeah. oh it looks amazing looks Mm -hmm. amazing um and they really dialed down the kind of flashiness of the filmmaking in season two Mm uh there are a couple of standout episodes in season two in particular season two episode five is incredible it's an incredible work of art and you could, I would argue, you could just watch that episode and you don't need to watch season two. Um, that's how good it is. Uh, it, it is a triumphant piece of filmmaking. But other than that, I think season two is basically a disaster. Like it feels like the the storytelling has spun completely out of control and that Sam Levinson no longer knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is my review of Euphoria season one and two. Euphoria season one is like, it is worth watching just as like um yeah, just to just to learn about filmmaking to be honest, just to learn like what is possible with mm-hmm. filmmaking.
3: Just uh,
1: see somebody like in his element, just like really not feeling constrained,
3: yes. by
0: what we have thought of the movies. excesses like, yeah. of filmmaking as well. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, Zendaya is great. Zendaya is great in the show, and she everyone, deserves her. Everyone is great. Like here's Everyone's the thing:
1: great. like I don't think the writing is always that good in Euphoria because yeah, this is mostly coming through uh, the mind of Sam Levinson, and uh, you know he he has talked about how this show is inspired by his own issues dealing with uh with drugs and you know recovery. And things like that. And this show, it's not always well written, but it works as a soap opera. Uh, Certainly season one does. And exactly. Yeah, the the energy, all these characters are just like, oh, man, like the Nate Jacobs is, I think, one of TV's greatest villains, Mm -hmm. basically just like a pure despicable piece of shit like you just want him to be destroyed and he's the he's the like uh you know football player popular guy who is actually a sociopath there are so many interesting characters in the show and it does a lot for representation i'd say like just in terms of like how it's centering certain characters too it's good stuff i'm halfway through season 2 because uh first of all because i heard you did this crazy thing to watch everything (laughs) but also because yeah i've I've also been seeing people just shitting on the season completely yeah i have to say it is um it's not terrible it may not have the like uh the sort of like first hit uh euphoria you'd get from watching the first season but there Mm -hmm. there is some good stuff like the just the opening it does these like pre-credit like openers you know where it's usually zendaya um narrating something going on and the very first episode opens was just like this crazy like crazy sequence that goes into the back history of like the drug dealer character yeah it's basically a Scorsese drug like drug movie in five minutes like a full like everything like all the drama of it like the setup of it the plot of it and I was just thinking like god damn this is this is refreshing like how (laughs) many gangster scenes how many gangster things have we just reviewed recently where it feels like We're just doing the same shit again, guys. And this series in five minutes introduces so many cool things and cool ideas and just new things it feels fresh in a way that even like mainstream movies don't anymore. I cannot talk about the rest of
0: the season because I haven't yeah. seen it. Um, but I felt say... the same way after watching the first episode. I was like, Oh yeah. wow, this is great. And then great stuff. Yeah. I will say that I think the show does a disservice to many of the characters that we appreciate from the show by the yeah, end. Um, I've heard, I've heard the season finale just aired on HBO. Uh, there will be season three. It's already been renewed. But this is a show that would have benefited from a writers' room. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's sad that it didn't. And it's sad. Maybe Davinder, you and I can do an after dark on it after you're finished. That would be good. That would be good. There
1: are those interstitial episodes that uh, were produced during. The specials, yeah, the specials. Yeah. Those are good. And those the good, first yeah. one about Rue is is fantastic.
0: Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's basically
1: good. just her and Coleman Domingo, the man whose voice I just want in everything. Yes, just talking in a diner.
0: Yeah, and that's all it is. It's a great and episode. It's a great. Episode. Yeah. So great episode, great I, I, writing. I don't have yeah. any regrets for going through this journey, but I'm I am glad you very did. doubtful that I'm going to watch season 3. Um, okay, okay. But we'll see. But it was like I'm like after watching seasons 1 and 2, I'm like, "You know what? There were some pretty incredible fucking moments in There's shots and I've never seen before. Yeah, there's before shots that you've in like never series. seen before. Yeah. And so it's like um I had a lot of fun, but season two, dude, it gets Mm -hmm. really fucking bad. I'm just going to put that out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's my thoughts on Euphoria seasons one and two. Um, What a ride. What a ride that ended (laughs) catastrophically. That's kind of my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, DeVingro, you watched C4A Season 2. Uh, you also watched something else. What was that, DeVingro? I watched Abbott Elementary, which is
1: a show I've been meaning to catch up on for a while. It's created by Quinta Brunson. It is sort of like, uh, very much like The Office or Parks and Rec. You know, it is a faux documentary type thing, except this one is I- I've set heard so many the, good things about this. I've heard so many it's, positive reviews about this. Yeah, It's, it's awesome. incredible. It wh- is. Wh- set- where did you
0: watch it, first of all?
1: I mean, it's on Hulu right now, so you could you could stream it. I think it's on it's it's on network TV as well. It's on ABC, um, but yeah, it's it's a faux documentary set in a Philadelphia public school, and it just takes that idea. And first of all, when you when you tell me you've got another faux documentary show, it's like I I do, I'm done. <laughs> we've already guys. done like, it. Um, Seen we, it. We've done, done it that, so many yeah. times. Uh, I was that, kind yeah. of even burned out with the idea just based on the just with how long The Office kind of went on for a while. Um, but this show is fantastic uh, because it is. Um, I think unlike those other shows, like unlike The Office or Parks and Rec, this show knows exactly what it wants to be from the beginning. It doesn't need a whole freaking season to find its footing, and I feel like that has been the trend for a lot of shows lately, like or at least within the last twenty years. You know, even some of the best sitcoms, like the first season of The Office, which was basically all the Office UK stuff just translated, and it was boring and kind of lifeless uh the first season of parks and rec which was just kind of directionless i liked it i liked certain people but it didn't really start to sing and soar until season two the very first episode of this show is just so confident in what it is because Quinta Brunson stars is like a second year teacher. She is, you know, she's young and bright eyed and she has all these ideas for how, um, you know, she, she could help the school, which is a struggling inner city school, which never has enough funding, which has, you know, administration that doesn't care as much about the students or the quality of life or anything. And she is just trying to change that. And first of all, Quinta Brunson, uh, you may know her from, a lot of BuzzFeed videos she has she she was famous for like going viral for some like Instagram stuff a couple of years ago too so it is really great to see her spearheading creating starring a show of her own and then for it to be just so good um I'm I'm just astounded it has a great cast which also includes uh Tyler James Williams which you probably remember from uh, Everybody Hates Chris I think he is he is great in everything I've seen him in so it's really nice to see him here uh, you've got like the older teachers, you know, who are they're they're too old for this, right? They they have been here, they've done the fights, they've kind of given up a little in terms of fighting and pushing back, but they still care about the kids and are very good at their jobs. And like, there is just a central thesis in this show that hey, we are this job is basically like a calling, and to be a teacher is to deal with the indignities of like what children can do to you, uh, but also of a system that doesn't do enough to take care. Of, of our young, basically. And I, watching the show, I really felt like so many similarities to me growing up in not so great public schools in Hartford. To like the inequities of it, the the work that a teacher has to do, the lack of support they get from the institution or anything. Um, it hits hard. And I think this uh, the show has a lot of heart. And I really appreciate that perspective. So check it out. It's Abbott Elementary. Uh, you will you will love it. I guarantee it.
0: All right. Abbott Elementary screaming, is streaming right now on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, I've heard great things. Uh, I will check it out. Probably in like two years or so, Devin. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a callback, you see. Um, Jeff Kanata, what are you watching this week?
2: Well, I had a chance to check out the new Ali Wong stand-up special on Netflix. It is called Ali Wong Don Wong. And uh, Ali Wong has rocketed to the top of my favorite standups list. Um, it's, it's interesting that her specials uh, sort of mirror, you know, she's sort of in the same wheelhouse age way, range as my wife and I and uh, it, her specials very much have arrived talking very specifically about things that are very specifically what our lives were at that moment. Right? For example, she was like
0: pregnant for her first one, baby Cobra. Right, her and... baby
2: Cobra special yeah. we watched in the hospital waiting for my wife to give birth. Mm. Uh, we went into the hospital very early, my wife had to take Pitocin and, and be induced. Um, uh, so there's a lot of sitting around waiting, and we watched uh, we watched a uh, baby Cobra together just sitting on the hospital bed as we were waiting for contractions to start. Uh, and it was very much about being pregnant, which my wife obviously ha- was with the previous nine months, and uh, just felt like she was saying all of our innermost thoughts and mm-hmm. feelings. And so, you know, she will always be uh, very, you know, close to our hearts as far as it, it just tied to that very specific experience of our first child, et cetera, et cetera. So when we saw a new Ali Wong special arrive on Netflix, my wife said, Oh, we gotta watch it immediately. And so we did. And this one, also aligns very, very specifically with where we are now in that she talks about having kids and trying to have a career at the same time. And oh my God, is it hilarious. She is so, so spot on, so laser sharp, so funny. Very adult, very dirty, but uh just so funny. There is an extended sequence that is like exactly a <laughs> spot on about her sort of jealousy slash resentment of of single people, uh, <laughs> and just the time that they have to do things. People you know? who,
0: for instance, marathon two seasons of Before You in like two days. Exactly,
2: yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, she gives voice uh, to all of our uh, all of us who are um, long suffering parents, and uh, you know she does a whole extended thing about wanting to cheat on her husband. Uh, it, it it is very very funny you know, that, that's that space of, uh, you know, she, (laughs) she talks about how she was dating her husband for, you know, a a long time and then pressured him into marrying her and having kids. And now she's like, why did I do that? Uh, it's very funny. It's very funny and very poignant and very much uh, my wife and I looking at each other and like shaking each other. And like, that's what we, you know, what we've said to each other about our kids, about single people, about wishing we had more time and, all of that stuff—it's very, very good. So that's Ali Wong, Don Wong. Uh, I think it would be funny to anyone, but particularly those who of or of the parental persuasion, and uh, you know, tired all the time.
0: <laughs> all right, that's streaming right now on Netflix, and that's what we've been watching this week.
2: Hey, folks! This episode of the Film Cast is brought to you by Mooby, a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. Every single day, Mubi premieres a new film. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere, just perusing Mubi. Right now, a bunch of movies jumped out at me, including just perusing Mubi. I see so many cool things. Chuck and Buck is a movie I enjoyed for back in the year 2000. Uh, There are different headings. There's new voices in Georgian cinema. Look at that. Where are you going to find cinema from Georgia? Anywhere else. Hand-picked, hand-selected. Documentaries like The Grizzly Man. Man, I'll never unsee that movie. That is an experience. Uh, Los Angeles plays itself. Fascinating documentary. So much stuff on Mubi, and you can try Mubi for free for 30 days at Mubi.com slash Filmcast. That's M-U-B-I.com slash Filmcast for a whole month of great cinema for free. We're talking timeless classics, award-winning masterpieces, festival fresh gems, the best of cinema at your fingertips, streaming anytime, anywhere. You can discover hundreds of great films. This is the perfect sponsor for this show. This is the thing I've made for cinephiles like you. I know. I know you're listening to this. You're a cinephile. Try it. Movie.com slash filmcast. A month free.
0: Let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly Plugs, the part of the show where we plug something else we have been creating. Uh, I want to plug an interview I did with Kendra James, former Filmcast guest. Uh, we talked about her new book. She wrote a memoir called Admissions, great title, about her time at a an elite boarding school uh, and what it was like to be uh, a black person at a mostly white school and uh, the... Indignities and traumas that can come with that uh I would recommend you check out the book and also check out our conversation over a culturally relevant uh that's my conversation with Kendra James in your hardware
1: what's your weekly plug? I also want to read that book to be honest uh yeah I also it's great i
0: reviewed
1: the new asus zephyrus g14 laptop and when i talk to people about gaming laptops this is kind of like one of the ones i've been recommending over the last few years And i think this year's edition is even better finally has a webcam which is nice it's also really fast so check out my review there
2: david have you have you gotten your hands on the steam deck
1: yet i i that, not me unfortunately that's uh. jess conda gadget but we have a review up and i you know what i canceled my pre-order and i don't feel bad about it oh so okay i'll put it that way yeah, you know, I you know what? when
0: I saw the Steam Deck, I was like, this is the thing that uh, What's-His-Name was using in that Station 11 show. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Just like <laughs> yeah. some, finally, some massive we, uh, thing. Our yeah. technology has finally caught up to what was in Station 11, is what I was uh, thinking when I was thinking about it. But uh, yeah, the, the device looks really cool. I'm looking forward to checking it out. And so is the Asus Zephyrus G14. Although, does it beat my 3080, Divingra? Probably not, right?
1: Uh, I mean, not your desktop 3080. Well, you can't but you can stick it in a laptop. Yeah. Well, your desktop 30 you know. is not a three and a half pound gaming lap, you know,
0: machine. So, yeah. <laughs> well, doesn't sound as good as my 3080 is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Kanata, what's your weekly plug? I'm
2: uh, I'm going to break the space-time continuum a little bit and, and tell you folks that uh, you're about to hear <laughs> our guest... Completely taking crap on my limericks.
1: I mean, uh, not without uh, reason, hey. but uh, okay.
0: How <laughs> dare okay. you? How dare you?
2: How dare you? Uh, but We recorded that the review before standing. we
0: recorded this part, FYI. So, yeah, mm. As
2: That's we sit said. here now with you having not heard that yet, <laughs> <laughs> seems like a real good opportunity for me to advertise limericks. <laughs> I'll make you one. Uh, Cameo.com slash Jeff Canan is where you go to get a limerick. Made to order, specific to your needs. Do you want to celebrate a birthday? Do you want to wish someone a happy whatever? Do you want to just feel good relishing in the glory of uh, rhyming couplets? (laughs) Get yourself a limerick. I will make it right for you. Uh, Peruse some of my five-star reviews over there at cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata and see why all the folks love them.
0: All right. Uh, in addition to that, I do want to say you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash film podcast. You can also recommend stuff for us to watch that often makes it into the show using hashtag slash tag on Twitter. Uh, And finally, if you want to big us up, if you want to support us, but you don't have any money or it's financially infeasible, this is a very easy way to support us by just leaving a review or a star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate it. It does help us to stand out. Um, so thanks to everyone who does that we never want you to support us if it is in any way a financial hardship uh but we appreciate everyone who shares about word of the film cast okay folks let's get to our review of scream 2022
4: Amber. When do you like to play a game, Tara? <laughs> doors unlocked. All doors
3: locked. Doors unlocked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was from the trailer for Scream 2022, aka Scream Five. I'm gonna read the plot summary from IMDB. 25 years after the original series of murders in Woodsboro, a new ghost face emerges and Sidney Prescott must return to uncover the truth. You're listening to the Filmcast and joining us today. She is the host of the Feeling Scene podcast at Maximum Fun. Jordan Cruciola, welcome back to the Filmcast. How's it going this evening, Jordan?
4: Uh, it is, it's going very well as I'm about to talk about the greatest horror franchise that ever was, and I am (laughs) so pleased that you guys have asked me to come back to talk about it. Thank you so much. Uh,
0: you know, (laughs) every now and then we have a guest on the show that generates a ton of feedback uh, (laughs) from people saying, that was one of the best guests you've ever had, and, uh, that was the case when you appeared on this podcast to discuss Promising Young Woman. So a lot of people really love that episode. Thanks for joining us for that. We're thrilled, obviously, to welcome you back for Scream 5. Absolutely. I love um, to make an impression.
4: So sometimes
1: yeah. we need a guest to just like shake us out of our stupor. You know, like <laughs> we're, we're just here reviewing movies every week, and uh, we, we need a Jordan once in a while.
4: i mean anti-complacency. Yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> this is a movie that uh, also features a Promising Young Woman.
0: Mm.
3: Okay. A number well,
4: of them really. Yes, Many yeah, of
3: them. Indeed.
0: Yeah. So, Jordan, on one of your other podcasts, you actually did a rewatch of the entire Scream franchise. We mm-hmm. did the same thing here on the Filmcast for our Patreon page at patreon.com/filmpodcast. Rewatched every single Scream movie in quick succession leading up to uh, the release of this movie. And I guess I'm curious A, why were you motivated to do that? And B, <laughs> what did you learn, you know, any insights to share from rewatching all the Scream movies leading up to this one?
4: Uh, yeah, I am always motivated to talk about these Scream movies, particularly three and four, to illuminate every possible listener as to why they were wrong about those movies when they first came out, because they most certainly fucking were. And we. At <laughs> I, I the, don't
1: remember that about four. I definitely remember about three. It so, was four yeah.
4: got a tepid reception at best. Uh, yes.
1: Mm. It, it tepid
4: at three, it did. absolutely. I will. By three me, is the yeah. malign. Yeah. Three <laughs> has there the was
2: the yeah. There's yeah. video of me revealing reviewing 4 very enthusiastically yeah, so I will we
4: we All reviewed right. it here
0: yeah Jeff Kanata has proof of life and yeah. also him <laughs> reviewing Scream 4 so I believe
4: it was I believe it was it, oh gosh, was it for Slash Film? But I know it was Jermaine Lussier's original Scream 4 interview that he right. apologized for yes, 10 years I, later. I remember that. At another outlet, being like, gosh, I was wrong about that. And gosh, he was. I'm, glad he, I'm
1: glad he did that too. Cause uh that was I did things. too. Yeah.
4: Props to Jermaine Lussier. A thing we like to do on the podcast that we we did review uh we are going back to the Screams 4, the Ots Tyrion podcast. I do that with my friend, the filmmaker Sam Weinman, and we talk about the intersection of millennium era horror horror cinema, pop culture, and queer history kind of all as a melange. And it is an era that is so much fun to dig back into because it is so consigned to the waste bin. Like, you know, you have the the post-Scream imitators, the post-9-11 hellscape, and like the MTV Platinum Dunes Michael Bayization remake horror machine that is ginned mm-hmm. up at full clip. And there's so much value there to things that were at the time kind of just like, are these garbage pail kids? And it, it, I just, there is, think about the scream movies, all of them. And that, that five manages to bring me back to My thing about scream is I just want to hang out with my friends. I just want to hang out with my friends from Woodsboro. So if you give me a Gail, a Dewey, a Sydney, then I'm hanging out with my friends again and I'm happy. And scream two, I acknowledged, I think we know as a, as a worthy successor to scream one, Scream three, maligned. But hey, that's the fucking Parker Posey scream. And she is one of the most beloved guest, like <laughs> guest stars in all the franchise. And that is the Gale Weathers scream. That is such a Gale Weathers scream. There are two Gale Weathers, and are you gonna help Gale Weathers or not? It is an incredibly brassy attempt at it it has a Harvey Weinstein character in the form mm-hmm. of Milton, the Dirty Producer, while being a movie that was produced by Harvey fucking <laughs> Weinstein. Yeah, in, pre-
2: predicted the Me Too. Uh, at a that time movie. when yeah. we
4: were not making mainstream studio horror movies that were involving plots, involving reckonings around sexual assault, and you have a very pointed scene where the Gales are confronting Rowan about what happened. To Sydney's mother, Sydney's mother at the time, Rena Reynolds, all those years ago, and it's a surprisingly, for all of its fluff and for all the fun that is a screen moving, a surprisingly pointed look and conversation around that very structure, which I think is is quite special for its time. And then in four. Thor is so much goddamn fun. I was at Thor opening weekend. I went with a friend of mine. The theater, not very populated. Mm -hmm. But we were screaming. We had our hands in the air. I love, I love the triple cold open. If you don't like the triple cold open, that's what it's like to be wrong. The triple cold open is so good. (laughs) Lucy Hale's death is so good. Kristen Bell, hey guys, spoilers, sorry, you're late. Kristen Bell killing Anna Paquin. Just shut up and watch the movie. I mean, that is... Tears upon tears upon tears of Wes Craven feeling like he is just saying he is having a fucking blast at the very end of his career. And we get we get one of the great villains. I feel, of 21st century horror and certainly a, a contender, if not the top villain in the entire Scream franchise. Perhaps the it, best
1: twist, I think,
3: of the of Oh, the my franchise. God. <clears throat> yeah.
4: What a for, twist. For, for yeah. everything
2: will said, will though, you said, though, you will agree that, that three is by far the weakest of the franchise, right? I will
4: not agree that any Scream is by far weak. <laughs> oh, oh, I will not agree. Do not accept right. this argument. She, she I yeah. rejects, the premise. She rejects I the premise. I do. I reject the premise. I'm having too much fun with Gail Weathers. I'm having I too much it. fun with Emily Browning as, like... Casting couch victim, Sydney, Sydney, Emily, like, Emily oh Mortimer, Emily Mortimer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm having too much fun with the entire, Dewey, they've got our voices, like, finding the ghost face shit in the mansion at the end, killing the sexual predator. The entire final showdown between Roman and Sydney is so fun, and it's kind of the zenith of Sydney getting to be a bad bitch in the franchise, her whole like I've heard this shit before, like screaming at Roman and like going fist to fist with him. That is an that is Sydney at the height of her warrior powers, and then you get slung into four, which was just ahead of its time. It was mm-hmm. ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was derided for being a sort of like ham fisted, too hokey acknowledgement of the way social media was creeping into our lives. At a time when we couldn't have predicted the amount of social media lambasting that was going to be happening yeah. in all genres of cinema, ten years later, it was just—it was too advanced. It was too advanced for the people. I, ju- and I just Emma want to Roberts say, was Jordan was not yet a concrete gay icon as she is now. For that, some of us,
1: some of us got that at the time. Uh, I'm not going to name heroes, names. The but, real heroes, uh, some of
0: us some of us mm-hmm. did. Uh-huh. Well, so Jordan, obviously you're a huge fan of the entire franchise leading yep. up to Scream 5. Yep. Uh, it's not always a guarantee that just because you make a sequel it's going <laughs> to be good, it's going to continue on uh, and uphold the legacy of its forebears. The what one more think? the one
4: more thing, the one more thing oh, I yep. will say about Scream 3. I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I truly am. I thought my <laughs> co-host Sam Weinman did make a really great point. When you watch them all back to back to back, if you watch them all just in a night, Scream 3, as he said, it might have been a disappointing conclusion to a trilogy, but it actually fits extremely well as a bridge movie between mm-hmm. 2 and 4. Yeah.
3: If you look yeah. at it as mm-hmm. a
4: third in a 4 to 5 part and beyond film franchise, I think it's much more digestible than when you were like that's the last scream I'm going to see.
2: Right? <laughs> well, it has yeah, to be it, you, it, it wants to be a comedy. It's a straight-up comedy, which yeah, I don't com- think it's a comedy. I don't think the the other you know, three movies at that. You know, the, of the four that had come out before this one, I don't yeah. think uh, any of them. They all had comedic elements, but I don't mm-hmm. think yes. any of them aspired to be comic films. And the third one is like we're straight up a comedy. Let's- it's
4: borderline screwball. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I yeah. think is it, it's a it's a bit of a whiplash if if you're not expecting it.
4: Y- yes.
0: Uh, but fortunately, because of uh, Jordan and also uh, you know our bonus episodes on the Patreon, you yes. you will expect it, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but yes, leading up to this, you are obviously uh, really excited, as were we. Actually, to be honest with you, we did the rewatch and got way more pumped for this movie um, than we had been otherwise. All right. Uh, and so, leading into Scream Five, we're not going to dive into that many plot details uh, for our pre-spoiler section because. There's a lot of uh, new nuggets that drop that could be (laughs) considered spoilers, so we're going to try to get to spoilers pretty quickly, but your overall thoughts on Scream 2022.
4: I... Overall, I came out of it being like, that was a great time, and I am so excited that this movie, that Scream 5, has got the origin story legwork out of the way for our ensemble going into Scream 6. The unnamed ensemble, I will not say who that ensemble is, um, because we are in the pre-spoilers section. But I, I will admit, it is a tale of two movies for me. Mm-hmm. The first half of it, I was like patiently waiting for it to really feel like it began. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it, I, it wasn't necessarily humming for me. I love the open. I love the open with Jenna Ortega. I think that is fantastically done. And then after that, I was just like, okay, I'm biding my time. I'm seeing what you're trying to do. I don't know that I'm feeling great about it, but I'm sticking with you to the end. And then Gail Weather shows up. I leaned over to my friend who I was watching it with. I leaned over to Sam and I said, oh good, the movie started. And after that... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I felt like it really came into its own. and You
1: pointed at the screen and said, that's Gail.
4: That's Gail. That's Gail. <laughs> that's Gail. Yeah. Was, I was memeing at the screen, and after the, the second half of the movie, had a blast, and I think the third act is just, floor it, Haley, this is for worlds- um an excellent time where the filmmakers feel like they finally got to settle in what they settle into what they wanted their screen movie to be and i think it's just a riot coming into the close
0: all right well uh glad you liked it divin Hardware, your overall thoughts oh yeah i i really enjoyed this
1: one as well i'll say it didn't like floor me in the way that scream four did because i remember Mm -hmm. watching scream four and we reviewed it here on the podcast and i was like I can't I can't think of a movie that was so smart about its meta commentary and how Mm -hmm. it was like, you know, talking about the state of the industry and everything and also genuinely surprising me at times. I didn't quite get that with this. Um, And honestly, the conversation around this movie kind of surprised me, too, because people were so hush hush about certain things or acting like there's some there's some big things that could mm-hmm. be spoiled here. I think by the time you get to some of those things, like it's fine.
4: Yeah. It's perfectly fine. I think that's totally fair. Yes. As, as
1: far as like the murder mystery aspect goes perfectly fine. Um, I think a weak element for me is that they introduce a lot of new kids who are going to be like, you know, the, the new group, the new group of folks for the potentially next series of movies. And they're just all kind of boring. Like they're just not that interesting. There's maybe like the twins I think are kind of cool, but they're just not as compelling as the original characters, mm-hmm. and you kind of get the sense that we are spending just so much time waiting. Like it just, where are the people I really want to see? You know, like where, where is uh, Sydney? Mm-hmm. Where is Gale Weathers? Where's Dewey? And uh, I, it is weird. Like I think um, after doing the rewatch, I definitely had that uh, compelling, you know, interest in seeing those characters again. As this movie was like being announced and everything, I never really checked out the trailers. I, I wasn't even super interested in it until I realized it was um, being directed by the guys who did uh, Ready or sorry, Not. Ready, Ready mm-hmm. or not. and we we loved Ready or Not, so yeah, I was down with that. Um, a part of me wondered, like, what would Scream be without West uh, without uh West, Totally West Crazy, right. Yeah. So it's like to, that. The series to me always represented like his sharp, incisive commentary. Mm-hmm um yeah i know like he he didn't write them uh that's kevin williamson but their combination seemed like they were very smart about the industry and about the the genre of horror i think this movie by the end kind of gets to their. um i'm not sure how it would play to people who aren't around and among Mm -hmm. film twitter this seems like (laughs) a movie that was written literally for all the people on my timeline as right. we argue requels and reboot quills and you know, how, how do you do this and what makes it work and whatnot. So that that specific part of it seems very uh niche to me, but maybe a little like Matrix Resurrections, I really dug it. Um, if it's Same. speaking to anybody, it's speaking to me and like what I'm looking for, especially in like a uh, you know. A, a very what the fifth entry in a long running franchise mm-hmm. um so i think by the end i was really down with it and yeah there's there so, there some cool twists along the way i think the twists early on are more interesting than the like big reveals at the end but we'll get into all of that
0: all right jeff canada your quick uh, non-spoilery thoughts on scream 2022 well dave <laughs> i guess you could say my thoughts
2: on scream 2022 are best summed up in the form of
0: a limerick. You know, I, I don't think Jordan knows why you're doing a limerick. Because right, she wasn't here. You weren't oh, here last time she was here.
2: Right. No, yeah. no I apologize. Um, no one wants this, Jordan. Are you no the one.
4: on-site limerick specialist? Is that, your, well, it is that falls really to your me wheelhouse? Only
2: because Dave Chen is a fiend for limericks. The man <laughs> needs limericks. Yeah. Like a squirrel needs a nut. You know what I'm saying? He is, like
1: those face needs scary movie. Uh, quiz yeah. Answers. Like,
2: yeah. yeah. Like these movies need a stabbing, you know, like, uh, <laughs> like, like David Arquette needs a shave. You know what I'm saying? It's very much. He, he, he requires it. He said the many, many times a limerick, an episode or it's <laughs> all over. Many people
4: are, many people are saying many yep. people. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, just the
2: one, just Dave. Just, just the one. <laughs> And uh, he he holds this show hostage. So here we go. We'll do a we'll do a just for Dave. I apologize. No one likes this, least of all me. Here we go. And you guys are n- are not gonna like this at all. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> when you're a franchise that's this gory, you maintain a decades long history by making it fun. And here in this one, I think it's the series' best mystery. <laughs>
4: Wow, they, I'm, no, calling a, <laughs> I'm calling the cops. That's a strong effort. calling the cops. That's a strong effort. Oh, my
0: God. Miss story? I can't yeah. say I
4: could have done any better with a limerick, oh honestly. Oh, my God. So...
0: I'm
2: a, I, I, I I sell I them professionally, just so you know,
0: Jordan. <laughs> yeah.
4: Available you're, now. So then you cameo. should have done better Jeff with a limerick, limerick <laughs> if you are wow. if you're no, that's, selling them professionally. That's, that's, that's Jordan, hey
0: Jordan, we're, limerick. we're here to criticize Scream, not uh, Jeff's Limericks. So I mean he, he, I was
4: the I was the only one supporting him <laughs> coming out of that, and then he was it like, did. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> I am a professional, and then it was like, Well, then you're underwhelming me.
1: It may be Scream. Ouch. You know But like I was all on board and everybody
4: else was laughing at you. So so I think I was your only ally.
2: I'm legitimately I sell limericks legitimately at cameo.com <laughs> slash Jeff yes. Kanata.
0: Yes, you should check them out there. This is so you it's, know, it's, why no, the,
4: you're the, the this is why you're the specialist I see now.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, well Jeff. now that we've taken me down a peg, um
2: <laughs> I I uh I too found this uh this movie to be pretty fun and I actually echo a lot of what Jordan was saying that I felt like the movie does not come out of the gates rip roaring. I didn't think that Opening was was good at all. I didn't. Yeah, it was fine. Oh, I loved Jenna, and it was
4: so. It was it it hurt so bad. I was like, I was feeling the hit she was Mm -hmm. taking.
1: There's one aspect of that that we will probably save for spoilers, which is yeah, let's save for spoilers. Yeah, yeah. but go ahead. Uh,
2: But I do think this movie, in contrast to I think almost every other Scream movie, I think has the best third act of of any of the movies. It really. It really comes into its own at the end, which is almost never the case with these movies. Most of these movies, uh, in my opinion, go wildly off the rails at the end because they're they're doing that fun twisted twisty thing you never saw coming, and uh, you kind it kind of has to contort itself to to make any of the motivations really make sense um and uh, in this one, it still does that, but it does it so much more fun that i I really ha- i think you know, these movies, and it even acknowledges it in the middle of this movie, and uh, it's meta-commentary, which is, you know, constant through the series. Uh, but these movies very much are murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I really enjoy about the Scream franchise is they are, you know, you know, closed murder mysteries where you you have your, your group of suspects, and we're going to find out who done it at the end, and hopefully we are surprised. And I think this movie, more than any of the others that I have rewatched over the last two weeks— I found myself really scratching my chin as I was watching it going, who is it going to be? <laughs> who is it going to be? Cause I think the movie does a really good job. You know, these movies always do that thing where they sort of set somebody up as mm-hmm. the, you know, the person you should be thinking of. Totally. And then, and then sometimes it actually is that person. And that's the twist is that you <laughs> couldn't possibly be the person that I thought of all along. And then it is, uh, but then other times, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big swerve. Uh, and I found in this one it did a, such a great job of not just setting up one person but really obfuscating the the potential uh uh um culprit
4: mm-hmm. and not I, oh re- I totally agree totally and, uh,
2: having a, having uh, I was like well i I genuinely don't know who it's gonna be right now, you know and I thought I thought that was the best the strongest part of this film I also like you Jordan I uh, I have come to really enjoy the this these this this triptych this trilogy this uh, these three strong characters that permeate mm-hmm. the five films and just sort of catching up with them after mm-hmm. a decade of of not having a movie with these characters is enjoyable and it does what all of these requels or whatever you want to call them do <laughs> which is you know I I as someone who is you know A little older than a teenager now, Uh,
3: (laughs) barely, barely,
0: barely. Barely.
2: I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the the Rye, Jamie Lee Curtis, the the Rye. You know, all these characters that we revisit now have been through the ringer and are, are stronger and like. Yeah, they they've seen some shit, you know, (laughs) they're
4: they're forged in the fires at this point. Exactly.
2: And I, I, I really know the Linda Hamilton's the, all these people that were, that we come back to, you know, 20 years later. And it's like, there's just a pure joy to me of the conversation with the new blood and the old blood and the old blood being like, you don't even know sister, you know, you (laughs) don't even know. I, I, so there's that, that joy in this movie as well. And I, I really like, you know, I really like that fact of it. And there was a couple of things that were pretty surprising to me. I do not think this movie touches Scream 4, as far as it, pure enjoyment, Scream Four, in my rewatching, has like catapulted itself to the top of my favorite mm-hmm. Scream movie list. Yeah, I think, if
4: the looking he, back, that is a very popular. That is a very popular point of view. People being like, "Shit, is this my favorite or second favorite Scream?" Yeah,
2: yeah, it's yeah. so fun. It's so fun. And the thing I also also stands out to me, having rewatched the entire series in the last two weeks, is Wes Craven's a real good director. Yes,
1: and yeah. even <laughs> when, kind of a even master. when. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even
2: when these movies aren't that great, even when the script is a little like Meh, the, there's always at least one sequence that's like, wow. Yep. Yes. Yep. And this movie did not have one. Mm. In my opinion, mm. uh, I felt mm. like mm-hmm. it really did miss that Wes Craven magic of having at least one sequence where you're like, oh, I've never really seen anything quite like that, and it 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 really had me on the edge of my seat. It felt like every scream movie had one of those. And this movie had some cool stuff, but it never yeah. achieved that level for me.
3: I think, I
1: think at times it felt like a fan response to the Scream franchise, which is great, which is kind of what I expect at this point. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's kind it's of not the theme hit, of the movie, too. It's yeah, not gonna yeah. the same.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a fair point, Jeff. I, I think that these guys are really talented directors, but I don't think they're as good as Wes Craven, but I don't I don't think they would say they're as Who good as Wes Craven. Is? Right? Who you know is? Mean? really? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do but you think- You feel that it, this, you know? Yeah. I, I do think that this movie does have- They-, they uh, I This is the first movie that we've reviewed on the podcast, I think, where I've listened to the commentary, the filmmaker commentary, mm. before we reviewed it. Oh, wow. Because we reviewed it, this movie only after it hit video on demand, and I bought it last night, and I listened to the commentary uh, this morning before uh, we recorded this. Do you
4: feel and, enriched? Was it enriching?
0: Uh, it was a decent commentary. Solid commentary. Okay. I'd say 7.5 out of 10 commentary. Um so And I think that they are conscious of the weight of the history of this franchise, right? Like yeah. they when they, only
2: one other director has directed right. you know, the entire exactly. franchise. And, yeah. and
0: I think they have a great reverence for what West Craven is able to accomplish. Um and I also think that they really put a lot of thought into how they could make this this one substantially different and kind of new than the previous ones. And I think for the most part, they achieved it uh, for reasons that you guys have kind of already vaguely alluded to that we'll talk more about in spoilers. Um, They really wanted to make this, I think, basically a legacy sequel in a way that Scream 4 didn't feel like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? This really does feel like a passing on of the torch in a way Mm -hmm. that we'll get to shortly. I mean, it calls
2: that out specifically. Exactly.
0: And by the way, it's pretty surreal. I'm pretty sure that the term legacy sequel was coined by Matt Singer over at Screen Crush, a previous guest in front of the show. So it was just kind of weird that- But they don't, uh, they they use Requel a lot,
3: Yeah, they don't don't say legacy
4: sequel. They use Requel, and then Scream Mm -hmm. 4 was what used Shrequel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we try to forget about that. As the film nerds tell us, the fandom's undecided on that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I like that that line a lot. Uh, The other thing I quickly wanted to say is uh, I am just becoming such a huge fan of Jack Quaid. Mm -hmm. He's good. He's He's so watchable and just charming. And I just I really everything he's in, he's good in, you know? Mm -hmm.
4: Jack Quaid manages to strike the rarest of balancing acts, which is he plays the kind of Ted Mosby-esque character. Yes. Without the way I fucking hate Ted Mosby. Mm.
1: Which, that is a rare, that's a hard thing
4: okay. to do. Like, yes. it, uh, he, he manages to be, like, I was waiting, I love the boys. And I waited every single episode of the boys to be like, when are we going to hit the Ted Mosby event horizon? Right, right. And I'm going to fucking hate this dweeb. And I I never did. And I was like, I think that is a testament to the, the power of Jack Quaid.
0: Yeah, he's great. I, I will I really say this like is him. my favorite I, thing of his that he's done. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed him in this movie, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, folks, we have a lot more to discuss, so let's get to it. Let's talk about spoilers for Scream 2022 starting right now.
3: Now you're looking for the secret. Do
0: to see this coming?
3: No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been
0: puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I
2: have
3: been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret You
2: want to be fooled. I went back and forth, guys, I went back and forth over and over, do I start? with gory or do I start with history I, mm. which one do I rhyme with and I feel like <laughs> I feel like I dropped the ball with starting with this gory because I had a, the different version of the lyric the limerick where I start with history and then you're feeling like the rhyme with history and then I only have to shoehorn then, this then it's just gory.
1: gory then it's just gory yeah. then, well
2: it's this gory <laughs> rhyming with history but, uh-huh. yes, but but I feel like it didn't make as much sense so I started with this gory and then I had to say his story and miss story okay, we're just I, in the saying,
4: weeds now I don't know yeah. what the fuck's going on uh, I
0: so much regret okay. here. I sense so much regret. I just want your I approval. I think you nailed it, Jeff. I think you nailed it. Just Thank put you, Dave. Out there, okay? See, he's yeah. the only
2: one I need to approve. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, indeed, indeed. That, You're going to be 99 people approval. in a
4: room, but if one, only one person, only one person sees you, then it's all <laughs> worth it.
0: All right, folks. So we are now going to spoil everything in Scream 5 or Scream yeah. 2022. So if you don't want to know the ending, you better skip ahead uh, or I guess skip to the end of the
3: podcast. Yeah, just, stop. Yeah, just stop. Just stop listening. Stop listening. Come stop back listening. Later.
2: Let's no, just skip forward to our thank you for listening part at the yeah, very end. The indeed, last three indeed. sentences that we said before three, the show, exactly.
0: and what we'll be discussing next week—it's a big mystery. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're going to be this mystery. Okay, so let's talk about a few innovations that this scream movie yeah. does, from the first right? scene, from yeah. the first scene, right? Yeah. And, and uh, so I was listening to the the writers of this movie talk about it in the film commentary, and they were saying how. Uh, they had each independently written down a bunch of stuff they wanted to happen in a sc- scream sequel, right? mm. and one of and they had written down like many of the same things. One of those things was the person in the opening scene survives. Yep. that
4: was a thing that they huge. huge. I, that I love it. Great,
0: the choice. coolest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because uh, we've never seen it before. And you're Especially not Especially since
4: it. she is nine pounds soaking wet and maybe three <laughs> feet tall. You're like, that guy's gonna fold her up into a cube and throw her out the door. And yeah. no, she fucking endures, man. The
2: The biggest innovation of Scream 5 is that Stab wounds aren't that bad anymore.
4: Oh no, yeah. no. even even gunshot wounds. Gunshot just a flesh
3: wound. Yeah.
0: I'm watching yeah. a John Woo movie during his Hong Kong era. Basically, like, <laughs> yeah. the, people can take all kinds of wounds and be yeah. fine. It used to um, be, uh,
2: it used to be, you know, take one stab to the chest and you're toast in this series. Now done. you need to be completely flayed in half and your guts spill out everywhere to die. You know? Oh
0: yeah. Well, that was another. So that was another thing they indicated was. They wanted to make sure that one of the old crew died permanently in order oh, yeah. for there to be stakes, which is something if you, they actually want to be serious
1: about this. Yeah. Right. Uh, they actually talk about that at the moment,
2: the- man. I felt mm-hmm. it. I,
4: well, yeah, I go, ahead, the, Jordan. go ahead. I, will, they, I think the real to me, the the triumph of the um, more hateful violence in this movie really hit sort of the exact perfect threshold for me. Like, when you get that moment in the opening scene when Ghostface fully just breaks Jenna Ortega's leg, her mm-hmm. baby bird leg, and you're like, oh, God, we're in a little bit of a different landscape here. A thing that I've always loved so much about the Scream franchise is really how chaste it is. I This is an asexual slasher franchise, which is really not um, the hallmark of slasher franchises. And there is a sort of, like, you always felt safe in the loving embrace of Wes Craven kind of no matter what. And I think that this movie did a great job of making the violence feel more, more their own, more in a Mm -hmm. way that radio silence brought us that kind of violence in ready or not, while also sort of staying true to the sort of safe confines of what a scream feels like to me in the way that you're in danger but, like, you, you're you not going to feel like you have to take a shower afterwards, and you're going to always have a fun time with it. And, as always, um, not making Ghostface, like, cr- cr- well, we'll talk about a way in which he is. But not making Ghostface a, like, I'm going to, like, dramatically make this blade a phallic stand-in for this moment. I'm about to kill you. There's no, like, dragging a knife down someone's breast line. There's no, like, penetration of, like, a mouth with fingers or something. Like, the simulation of sex and, and penetrative mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. And I really am glad that they they gave me the gore that I wanted without being like, hey, you know what we should do in 2022? Really fuck shit up like that. And just be like, let's be depraved. Because that's not, I'm not precious about, I'm not precious about um, filmmakers innovating old franchises, but uh, the heart of Scream, that feels really honest mm-hmm. to it to me. And it meant a lot to me that they 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 found that right balance with ramping it up, but still respecting it.
1: I will say, um, I mean, the first Scream, uh, the thing I miss in this movie, uh, no entrails, no intestines <laughs> sure. spilling out, and those those quick shots mm-hmm. that we get in the first movie. Like Wes Craven knows what he's doing, and he knows like once you see that image of the boyfriend at the beginning, or what happens, um, oh. you know, in at the end of the first scene, he's like that will stick with you for life, mm-hmm. and it kind of has. And I, I'm still waiting for further for the franchise to like really mess me up in that same way. And Brooklyn Leg like, is fine. But you know, that's me. I up, thought guys. we
0: saw. Didn't we see some dewy entrails, or did I just imagine that? No, you did. I didn't see
1: any. Yeah, okay. And
0: that final
2: shot, that far, that sort of low angle. Uh, yeah, big... just
0: like mm-hmm. a, just like for like a couple seconds. You yeah, know, I, I need, more. I need more. guys. need that... if I'm, if I'm <laughs> interpreting what I just want to make sure I understood what you're saying, right? Which is mm-hmm. that I think, and it sounds like you agree, this movie delivered on the gore. Right? I
4: absolutely but, do yeah but
0: not in a way that felt exploitative or right, you right. know gross from a sexual perspective like just like yeah uh, it 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 upheld the kind of Chaste nature of the rest of the series. It uh, is it's while weird. still delivering like, the gore. Yeah, go the
4: screams are almost kind of like family friendly in that way. Like it's <laughs> like I, I would be like, this is baby's first slasher kind of thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it'd be like work your way up to like original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is still one of the most heinous things like ever put mm-hmm. to s- screen, like in a multiplex context. But like, there's just something that where like you know in the scream franchise that there's going to be a stopping point. Um, With Wes Craven, and I was really... And I'm impressed that the uh, Radio Silence filmmakers inherited that same... Honored that same stopping point where it's like, but this is not an exploitation horror Mm -hmm. franchise. Mm
3: -hmm. This is not
4: about... This is is not about mistaking your experience for a grindhouse picture.
0: Right. I do think this movie was... Quite gory and and, and arguably yeah. more gory than the previous films. In uh, maybe Screams 1 through 3, less so Scream 4, which I we would discussed.
4: Agree. Yeah. That Kyle so, Gallner death would not have happened in any other of the Scream movies. Not mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, sorry, Jeff Cannata, you were going to say something.
2: Oh, I, I was just going to say for me, the, the bummer, I just felt like it's too many guns. Mm-hmm. The
4: guns were weird. The guns, yeah. guns yeah. were weird. It's, yeah. it's like, a movie this is a lot of guns? It's a movie fun.
2: it's a movie whose analog is called Stab, right? <laughs> yeah. And th- there there's a point at which we just stop stabbing at the end sure, and start sure. shooting, you know. Although
1: I I thought it was pretty baller that Sydney Prescott just has like dual pistols in her trunk cuz like <laughs> she's yeah. prepared she's prepared to go cha up on anybody who Jeff, uh, I do feel super
4: conflicted because there were too many guns and I also love women in movies with guns. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. I lo- the the moment the moment where um Amber is like it playing her possum act and it's like what do you think trap trap like that the editing the cut no that was cool I will will accept the guns for this moment and I will also accept the guns for um, do you have a gun I'm Sydney I'm Sydney fucking Prescott of course I have a gun I also loved uh, I also
2: loved uh, get get down here I'm trying but you shot me in the leg I thought that was pretty good
4: Sydney walking through Sydney walking through Stu's house at the end and just shooting every door she passes was like yes this is final girl education (laughs) this is final girl grad school right now Right,
0: it, it is great doors. in this movie more than more than even Scream three and four. It feels like she learned a lot of lessons from the previous films, yes, and was actually was actually employing them in a way that made sense. Like you know, this would actually potentially be helpful. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that part. Jeff, what were we gonna say?
2: No, um, I didn't have anything to add. That's got uh, it, yeah,
0: got it. Um, my yeah, go oh, ahead. Go ahead, Jordan.
4: Oh, I was just gonna say my my biggest fear because you mentioned like on the commentary that knowing that they had to had to dispatch with one of our beloved trio. I was so afraid going into this movie that they were going to decide that Sydney was the essential sacrifice yes, in yes. order to and I have again I'm I'm truly not precious like do what you want to do to make this franchise your own but there's just something and this was this was the gorgeous thing about the legacy of Wes Craven as far as like the four horsemen of the apocalypse goes, like, you know, Hooper, Craven, Carpenter,
3: mm-hmm. Romero.
4: He respected his heroines more than almost anybody else has consistently throughout his horror filmography. Like Lisa Reisert, even in Red Eye, Sidney Prescott in mm-hmm. this in the entire Scream franchise. Um, Heather Langenkamp, you know, in, in Nightmare on Elm Street, he gave the women at the center of his film so much. And Sydney, the whole point of Scream is that it is not Ghostface is not bigger than Sydney. The killer is an interchangeable fucking lazy Susan of psychopaths. Mm-hmm. But Sydney is bigger than death, and she is bigger than the than the bad men and deranged relatives who will go after her. And it was like Man, if you kill her, that means to me that you didn't fucking understand the assignment at all. Absolutely. And so that was the only, I was like, I can lose yep. Gail, but my heart yep. will be broken. I was
1: worried. I was but worried. if I lose Wait. Sydney. Yeah.
4: I will mm-hmm. leave this theater hatefully angry. <laughs>
3: like, I, fuck I, you.
2: I agree with everything you just said, but I also want to know if you think you can have a Scream 6 without Dewey.
4: It makes me sad. Okay, here's the thing about Dewey. I, if I have to lose one of the trio, I suppose it should. I suppose it can be Dewey. The but does who that mean There nothing? can't be another movie.
2: Does that? Yeah. I, from no, my perspective, I, I, I feel think- like that's saying we're closing the door on this franchise because. Those three no. characters are the fran- franchise to me.
4: I, and, and and what I felt surprised by, especially since how much, cause I, Jeff, I did not like the new characters for the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. The thing about, I feel like the thing about scream five is that when it's trying to be scream one, it's not succeeding. And then when it finally gives in and is like, guys, we're scream four, then it just goes buck wild rad. And like, they really get to embrace the like crazy mansion of ready or not like at the, at the end of it. But it, I I can accept losing Dewey, and I can accept a sequel without Dewey, and I would prefer not to see honestly Sydney and Gale again because I don't want them to be compromised. I don't For want sure. there to be a future in which somebody makes the wrong fucking choice about Sydney Prescott. Let her go. Let, Let her them go. Right go. Off into
2: the I don't sunset. care about yeah. any of those other characters. I don't. I don't want to see a screen six by that, the end. I, I don't know. I, but any, I hear you. I hear you. you know. I I feel like those are the characters in all of the scream movies after one mm-hmm. that are the revolving door of characters mm-hmm. that don't matter because we have the three core characters that are moving through these movies and i feel like once you kill off one of those three core i understand the motivation to do that to make it right. feel like and that moment as i said in our main review or just a few minutes ago i should say uh it landed on me i was i was yeah. it i was shocked i was genuinely shocked that they were killing him mm-hmm. um because because it felt to me like now you can't make another one of these movies.
4: Well, okay, but here and here I want to hear what you guys think about this. I was actually like I ex- okay, accept it. Dewey's Dewey's gone. I am. I am still angry, actually, at the way they killed Dewey because that was some fucking Mm -hmm. bullshit. I'm sorry, Deputy. Sorry, Sheriff Dewey Riley is not making a bullshit mistake. Looking at his phone when he has Ghostface in front of him for the coup de gras. Are you serious?
3: Like there was, there was, there
4: was, there was nothing else. Like, are you? There was not a way you could have had him go down, not being a moron. Like Dewey is not an idiot. Dewey is not a moron. Dewey knows the rules. he is the franchise. I, I was I w- I am still apoplectic with you, the shitty death that they gave Dewey rightly. Can I
2: can I can I pitch you a fix? Yes. okay. here's how here's how that scene should have gone in my opinion. He goes back, right? He he. They go to the 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 elevator. He's like, I got to go back. That awesome shot where the elevator yeah, closes. Great, yeah, who, yeah. yeah who, that's what, great. Dewey awesome going moment. back makes
4: sense. That's Dewey.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, you know, I no no one cares. I do. I care. He yeah. he goes back. Okay, whatever fight you want to have with them. He the guy. You know, the uh, ghost face gets back up. They fight. They fight. They fight. The la the last thing he as he's dying, Dewey pulls the mask off. And we see the reaction that Dewey has to who it is before Dewey dies. I, I would think. have
4: appreciated something like the fact that he went back to finish the job and also presumably to find out who it was and he does neither of those things and he makes a rookie he makes a red shirt mistake that was straight up disrespectful he's gotta go back
2: I think in that scene he's gotta go back and go we don't know who it is we gotta find out who it is he goes back
1: like oh shit we're in a murder mystery we we gotta do our job here yes Yes.
2: And, and, and he finds out right before he dies, the audience doesn't get to see, but we see his reaction yes. to it.
1: Yeah. I was I was half expecting to see just like a flying blade to his skull as me the elevator too. door is closed or something. Like that would have been, okay, Yeah, cool. that would have Fast, too. I would have taken me. an
4: inexplicable Move flying on. knife over yeah. whatever the <laughs> yes. shit they decided that was.
0: Absolutely. I will say, here's one thing that did, that death did get right though, Jordan, is I have no doubt that Dewey is dead. <laughs> Which yes. has been a question in every single previous Scream film is like, and he's got brutally stabbed, and then he still survives. One but of now, those no, no, questions yeah. was
4: answered in Scream Five when we see that little YouTube interface, and we see Kirby is mm-hmm. giving interviews about having survived the massacre of mm-hmm. Ford. Kirby lives, motherfuckers. Oh, they, yeah, is, I
1: miss that. I like love. it. Is,
4: they're watching. They're oh, watching the videos, man. and then it's right on the side panel. There's the bottom video in the recommendations column and it's a little still of mm. Hayden Panettiere and it's like Kirby such and such talks about moving on after yes please
3: slaughter.
4: so that is that was that was that was justice radio for Kirby. silence making some like alright that's the fan service I came here for mm-hmm. yes
2: I did yes. I did like in that same vein uh, Dave I did appreciate the fact that we cut right from uh uh, Dewey's death to the coroner someone with a shirt that says coroner on it uh, there's no you know it is it is there's very no clear
0: there's no doubt yeah um well speaking of things that are also very clear you know we were talking about the use of guns earlier and I have to say <laughs> it was a really shocking moment a really great shocking moment when Amber uh takes out the gun and is totally. like totally you know like I know you're not the killer. Bam! Like shoots her right in the head. Yep. Yeah. Uh, welcome back three. I'm like
4: fucking friends. tremendous. Yeah. That was so fucking good. tremendous. So From one episode. of the actresses
0: we would least expect
1: too, right? Because knowing I've seen her on so many things, you know. Well, and, it's and like, they yeah. set
4: her up perfectly as the like secretly lesbian obsessive best friend. Right. So right. I was like, so it's like, oh, she's ride or die for like Jenna Ortega's character and like, she's going to, she's going to have to go as like a sacrifice. Cause she cares about this friend so much. And then she's the fucking killer. I love that. I love that.
2: I, I really liked the scene in the basement where, uh, she, Oh my God. When you, and, they, uh, when you thought they were going to kiss and
4: it was actually just intimidation foreplay. Oh my
2: God. But, but it kind of doesn't make sense that she doesn't actually kill her there. Like mm. why oh, not? So,
0: okay. So I, I, this question was actually answered in the commentary. Um, oh, cool. You know, now, now, Whether or not you buy the explanation is another (laughs) thing. And one one thing that's great about the commentary, too, is like they make fun of the movie that they created. So, like, there's a moment where. um... Jack Quaid comes into the house and he like ejects everyone from the party, right? He's like, that Hey was, guys.
4: okay, that was brilliant. That it was, was like, brilliant. Why
0: he's like the, the filmmakers were like, you know, I understand they need to stop by to get the the inhaler, but like I don't understand why he needs to eject everyone from the party. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like didn't did like this movie? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Um but well, I uh, absolutely
4: love okay teens. Thank you, Gen yeah. Z. Thank Thank you, thank you so much, (laughs) Kenzie. I was like, honestly, that's being a geriatric millennial. That's geriatric millennial representation. It's also pretty
0: easy to get uh, inhalers. Uh, (laughs) It's not not always very specific medicine there. Mm -hmm, Yeah, mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. but
0: uh, okay. So the there's also another moment right when right after Amber shoots what's her name in the head, that Jack Quaid's character Richie takes his girlfriend down into the basement. Right. Yeah. And right, he's like, yeah. there's always more than one killer. And then she starts suspecting him. And it's like, well, why didn't he just kill her then? Like without warning her or anything like that. And the answer, as far as I can tell, is that they wanted to stage the murders yes. in exactly the same way that <laughs> the, Stu Mark's got to be a
1: The, thing, totally. that, oh, that yeah, really the
4: yeah. thing
0: that foils every
1: every one of the villains is <laughs> trying to we're going to make it work guys this time in, in the <laughs> kitchen. Okay, they're in the okay they they're on the the they They're the the we we going to to make work it work. It's to work work time time. swear
2: well, I, I was really hoping at the end there was going to be a line where one of them said, "Okay, we're not going to make the mistake of stabbing <laughs> ourselves too soon,"
4: right? Because
3: <laughs> they're right. like st- students
2: of the of the franchise, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
4: absolutely, I absolutely loved when, and maybe this is jumping ahead, but like you know, fuck it, we're all over the place, you know? Yeah, we're all. Over and this. like when, because I was waiting for Melissa Barrera to really to really step into the light. Yep. And it happens in the final pursuit scene in that house. And when she, cause I, I loved her in the Heights. She's incredibly charismatic. And I was like, oh yeah, Vanessa's the hottest woman that's ever walked on the face of the earth. Like obviously she's Helen of Troy. Like I was so down with the charisma of Vanessa in that movie. And then coming into this, I was like waiting for her to really jump out. I was really digging Jenna Ortega, but I was really waiting on Melissa. But then at the end, when her fucking boyfriend, like I love that the movie lays out, they they, mm, they make Jack so goddamn evil when mm-hmm. he's talking about, like, you were easy to find. And then when he says that, it, like, makes me sick to my stomach to even think about when he says, like, and you were easy to fuck. Yep. Because these movies, these movies don't generally go coarse like that. But in that moment, you get such a complete sense of the kind of depraved like incel nightmare that he is and the the sexual humiliation that comes through in that moment and sort of like the rippling effects of how long and how many times he has been violating her and mm-hmm. like he has been not consensually having a sexual relationship with this woman because it's all in the auspices of a total fucking lying he's gonna try and kill her and the, the the way my blood boiled when he said that so when it we get to that end And she's got him on the ground. He's covered in blood. And he's like, what about my ending? And her just looking like a woman possessed, leaning down to him and just going, here it comes. And running that blade slow across his throat. I was like, hottest hottest woman of 2022? Possibly. We have a first place contender. She's the one to beat everybody. It was such an incredible moment of like. Slasher movie, good for her, like all that girl bossy mm-hmm. yes queen mm-hmm. bullshit. I was <laughs> living. I was like Melissa, you have come into the moment. She's welcome she's, to scream five.
1: She's a bit of a like like the daywalker. She's a bit like Blade, right? Because her yeah. whole thing is like, yeah, I'm part, part evil, vampire. I'm part murderer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how to control this, and then yeah, yeah she will uncontrollably she, start stabbing people. Her yeah.
2: superpower is that Billy is in there somewhere. That's she. <laughs> she's the only superhero in the entire Scream franchise. She's got. She's been bitten by a radioactive Billy.
3: I mean, I,
1: I want- by the way, Skeet Ulrich uh, still looking like a snack. Like this guy, <laughs> oh well, no I, doubt, never age. Well, they did they I did some de
0: aging on him. A though. lot yeah, of de
2: aging yeah. is what yeah. I've seen. <laughs> uh, shit, that
4: good. guy look that guy looks like brunch in Riverdale. Skeet or is a hottie. He's still like <laughs> I,
1: I see him on Riverdale too. So it's like I, I can't even tell if that's de aging or just like him. But yeah,
4: <laughs> and like cats out of the bag, guys. Uh, she's Billy Loomis's daughter.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
4: yes. m- she's Billy Loomis's daughter. I honestly. Fine, you put that little thing in there, I guess, for the story. Like, okay, I don't care that she's Billy Loomis's daughter. It's, I think, it's not very interesting. But the thing I can't get down with was the very weird. Let's rehabilitate Billy Loomis post posthumously. Mm-hmm.
3: Like mm-hmm. it was like
4: by the, like he starts out being like you're crazy, just like me, when she's having visions in a mirror, and then he ends. He's like, you know what you have to do. He's and like, she's cheering like, dear old on dad, at the yeah. inspiring yeah, yeah. her from beyond the grave, and it's like, I'm sorry. Billy Loomis was a murderer and a rapist. A well, rapist of Sidney Prescott's mother. We are not doing the Billy Loomis redemption tour in Stu Mocker's house? With Sidney here? Well, what the fuck is this?
2: It, it's weird that the movie seems to want you to suspect her, mm-hmm. even though it clearly yeah. positions her as not possibly at all being the killer. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it, it, it really is trying to make you think, oh my gosh, Is is the fact that she's Billy Loomis's daughter does that mean that she could possibly be the killer? But at no point does the movie provide circumstances by which she could possibly be the killer. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. It's a very strange. I feel like it would have been stronger if there had been a a plausible (laughs) explanation for her being the killer in all those moments. And then and then we go. Oh, no, she's using her Billy Loomis DNA for the powers of good. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> her Billy Loomis DNA. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was just, like, the, the like, winking father figure at the end in the mirror. I was like, I'm, no, guys, let's not revisionist <laughs> history how bad Billy Loomis was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is some heinous shit right here.
0: Yeah. I, I think, uh... That's I would argue one of the weaknesses of the movie, actually related to that, not specifically that, although I agree with what you're saying, is this is the first Scream movie, uh, according to the filmmakers, they described it as as like having like three separate plot lines, whereas most scream stories only have two. Um because mm. you're also following like basically Sam and her like Billy Loomis situation, right? Like mm-hmm. it's unclear exactly who the protagonist might be,
4: because there's like that theoretically the multiple. Protagonists That's like two and a half.
0: Come yeah. on. Yeah. But I guess I guess for me, the problem with that is I don't really have that much time to get to learn the other characters, you know, to, no. to like, I, I know mm-hmm. very, li- I know one of them's, you know, had a twin that was murdered and like, that's they, basically they disappear
1: how it- for big chunks of the movie. Right. So yeah. exactly. it's hard. And
0: I think that's a, that's a weakness of the movie because theoretically you're building a franchise around like these characters moving forward. There is a scream six. I don't know who's going to be in it, but mm-hmm. Uh, 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 ostensibly it's gonna be probably some subset of who we saw in this movie. And so, not David Arquette. Not, not David Arquette. Arquette. No, they also kill
1: off like some of the some of the more interesting ones, like uh the guy who, uh Dylan Minette, who plays yes. Wes.
4: But One Wes, of the great Hollywood Dylans. He's good. Great
0: great kill though, by the way. Like
1: great right kill. through the throat. Oh yeah.
4: You know? Oh that, my God, you like, guys! Deputy Judy, the cruelty. Yeah. Yes, like off center on the throat. Not my deputy too. Judy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: that you, whole you, sequence. Go ahead, Jeff. Go I've ahead. never yeah. seen
2: it uh, go off center on the throat like that before. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like, something. It was. It was. It, it, you, you missed the. You uh, missed the. 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 The larynx. There, you know, It's just like <laughs> you're like you're, you're threading a needle. You know, it's like he's uh, <laughs> yeah. ready to sew. Then the
0: it was, it was pretty. That interesting. that whole sequence was in, in by the yeah, the, the whole like Judy and West uh, sequence was by turns both uh, hilarious and also heartbreaking because yeah. Yeah. they did this thing where they like. They basically position these characters in front of cabinets or re- refrigerators, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Every time they close it, it's like, dun dun. You expect to see a thing, oh and then the music. The yeah. Number yeah. Right, of, yeah. the
4: number of fucking Luton buses in that. It was like, okay, guys, we're on the ninth cabinet closing now. Jesus, <laughs> yes, he's in yes. the
1: dishwasher. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and then he's and, in the sugar bowl. <laughs> and
0: then, uh, but the thing that really like broke my heart, honestly, I felt myself like emotional yeah. almost, was when he started setting up the sushi setting the dishes. Mom. Oh and his God. mom was already like brutally murdered in, in the front lawn. I, was I, like, oh my I found myself wondering
2: if has no one noticed the horrible yeah. murder in the broad <laughs> daylight <laughs> in
3: the front in of the them. house. It's, it's a pain. small yeah.
0: town, you know? It's a sign of how, you know, in the suburbs, Jeff, no one really knows each other. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I, that
4: is such a, I'm so glad you shouted that out because just that, even though that scene is just so long and how it plays, but like we get so much information about like, it kind of seems like I think she's a single mom and yeah. he seems like a really good kid and they mm-hmm. have this like sushi dinner that they do and yeah. she probably didn't even have to ask him what he wanted she just called and ordered it and he's setting out their little chopsticks and their little plates i was like yeah. oh my god we're watching a family be torn apart like yeah. i was a, i was sad about it that. was sad
0: i got pretty sad it was, it was it was nicely done though those little touches you know they really yeah, make a big impact so anyway
4: um, and this okay. was we had mentioned david arquette but i just want to say shouts out to actually an incredible performance by david arquette mm-hmm. like We've seen, you know, Dewey is so famously, you know, kind of bumbling Dewey <laughs> Riley, and he like I fully believed Grimdark Dewey Riley in this, he, and my heart went out to him, yeah. grizzled, he, grizzled Dewey. <laughs> I and this really, this two, this two like hit notes of West Craven for me with how good he was at at caring for and and maintaining the the central relationships in this movie to make us care about our main three heroes so much, and I loved so much that when bringing back. Because Gail would have stayed in New York and Dewey would have gone back home. Like to have not acted to act like Dewey would have stayed in New York for her would have been crazy. And to act like Gail would have stayed in Woodsboro would have been a ridiculous betrayal of her character. (laughs) So to have them have to separate but still love each other so much that like when they're when they get back together and nobody is made to be the villain. It was just two people who couldn't work out. I felt like that was so, so respectful of the legacy of that relationship in the franchise that it was just two people who were really sad that it couldn't go differently because they loved each other, but mm-hmm. everything else mm-hmm. was amiss. And well, I, I really appreciated for that.
0: I- I'm yeah. going to yeah. submit to you guys that the best prequel to watch before this movie is not Scream 4. Mm, it's the documentary You cannot kill David Arquette.
4: I bet that is right. I, <laughs> That's okay, a great movie. so is it like basically yeah. I have not watched that yet. Is that could that basically exist as what happened between poor <laughs> Dewey, like his life between four and five? No. Like is that like no. you know what, what? he did? No. Quit being a sheriff and go be a wrestler, and I'll, I'll I'll now be honest, he's Dave. here.
2: I had the opposite feeling, actually. I I, <laughs> it, I was <laughs> that se- sequence where he fights Ghostface. I was like, yeah, come on, here we, here we go, baby. Yeah, here, here's Wrestle, our do camp. something. Do David seven. Arquette like had a sidebar with the stunt coordinator and here we go
0: here we go and it's like <laughs> that's no. what he
4: deserved Jeff you're right that is you're what he right. deserved so <laughs> right.
0: so in, in the movie in the movie You Cannot Kill David Arquette which is a documentary about David Arquette's life it basically goes into how David Arquette spent a significant amount of time becoming like a professional wrestler yeah and so he got like super jacked and stuff and, not like, just a professional
2: to- wrestler but he, he went into the the hardcore scene where you you're literally yeah. slicing up your body right. for like, people's in entertainment
0: the, uh, Darren Aronofsky's the wrestler kind of
4: deal right like mm-hmm. no no,
2: no, more like, uh, more like you know, uh, real Japan or, or you know, people probably would know um, uh, Mick Foley, you know, oh who Jesus, lose yeah. an ear, uh, smash mm. you with uh, with fluorescent bulbs, uh, stick your yourself. tongue
4: out through the hole in your bottom lip, kind yeah, of yeah,
2: replace the the ropes with barbed wire,
0: that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I think uh, that's all. That's all. You know, appreciate the wrestling knowledge. I think that basically all I was saying is. That it's a great documentary, but it's basically like David Arquette has a been through a lot, oh. and B the people around David Arquette have put up with a lot. That's yeah. the, with my big takeaways from from You Cannot Kill David Arquette, and uh, and so watching that movie, knowing what happens with the real life couple of David Arquette and Courtney Cox, Oof. you know, it gives this movie and their relationship a special sort of poignancy. Um, yeah, I, I was actually Ever. not sure that They would actually be on screen together until they actually appeared on screen together. Like, I was like, Oh, is this a thing where, like, you know, mm-hmm. she, he's gonna watch her in the like? I, I didn't see the trailers well, or anything for this movie, right? So, I didn't know if they were actually like, gonna, mm-hmm. gonna share the screen together in this movie. In the did, documentary,
2: you know. they're very friendly.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. She
2: shows much concern for him, and, and they, yes, they exactly. seem to be on good terms.
0: I would have yeah. liked one line,
1: by the way, about um, why the hell anybody still lives in this town? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> why? Yeah. What is so great? about Woodsboro where every 10 years you have a mass killing that the the police cannot like do anything about until like several people are dead. Mm-hmm. I did
4: really appreciate given that. Cause that's exactly true. I did really appreciate that. Uh, Melissa Barrera's character is just like, we're leaving. Yeah. We're leaving. We're, we're and Sydney's like, this is going to chase you forever. And it's like, I can see, like, in abstract, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you should, you need to hear right now. But concretely, mm-hmm. uh, yes, get the, get out. Get out. Just There's get nothing out. you <laughs> can see but the terror and the murder. We need to fucking run. Uh, let's run right now. Well, so Sid- I, Sydney
1: has a baby at the beginning, right? Or, like, yeah. she's pushing a struggle. Like, you got more important things in your life than settling Ghostface at this point.
2: <laughs> well, also, the text of these movies, which is always, you know, metatextually referred to by these movies is that the only bad stuff happens in these towns, right?
3: Or L.A. Or L.A. Or
4: L.A. LA. Yeah. Well, it yeah. felt
2: weird when she was like, it, it'll follow you forever. I'm like, no, it won't. It's literally just
4: <laughs> just here. Well, she tried to run in three, as we know, and she worked at a crisis hotline. But it's up only because she
1: came back to that town. You just <laughs> don't come back to Woodsboro. <laughs> but it was, to you. Uh, thank, it, well,
4: was it was L.A. It was uh, in L.A. L.A.
1: reconstruction of
0: Woodsboro, so it had the same evil juju to
1: it.
3: Yeah, that was it. Yeah, they, they brought Woodsboro
2: to LA. Is the problem? Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: I gotta yeah, uh, say, there you
0: go. Jack Quaid really playing the reverse psychology hard in the car when they lost yeah. that inhaler. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, "Oh no, we're not stopping here at all. We're definitely not stopping at this place." Uh, and what would have happened if they're like, "Yeah, you know what? That's right, Jack Quaid. We're, we're going to yeah, keep going." Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. you, you yeah. can buy
1: also- inhalers
0: at every pharmacy. Keep going.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I I I I th- I th- the the new characters hit their stride for me so much in the end of the movie because I wasn't feeling them. Like Mm -hmm. I wish they had cut that scene in the courtyard, the like, let's recreate Scream One in the courtyard entirely from the beginning of the movie. Because I was like, hey, is the thing about all the new friends in Scream that they're all dickheads? Like everybody (laughs) in that (laughs) scene is a fucking dickhead. They're not
2: that's Mindy's every teen in every slasher movie, you know, is a dickhead.
4: <laughs> and it was like, but it was like, okay, not in, sc- it was like, it was so cacophonous with a Scream movie that it was like, yeah, but when I first met the characters in Scream 1, like, I immediately vibed with them. Really? This is just a bunch of dicks. In Scream 1? Oh, yeah. You yeah, don't so, think that's the same be-
0: diff- you, you you did not Jeff did not like Scream One as much as the rest of us, but Jenny, well, they, Jeff. No, no, yeah.
2: you can't tell me that scene where they're in the the exact same scene where they're in yeah. the courtyard. Yeah. They aren't also all dicks.
4: But they're dicks in this way that's like they're they're like they seemed like real kind of teenagers not grasping the gravity of the moment. Where these felt this felt like a performance of teenagers not grasping the gravity of the moment. It felt like I can see the scenes Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. where it's like, everybody's playing their part in a scream movie. And, like, (laughs) I wish we had got rid of the courtyard scene, just met them in the hospital where they were doing something more human, like visiting their friend who had just almost been slaughtered. And then, like, once we get them at the party and we're getting like Mindy's making out with that girl and that you know, her twin brother's like, "Uh, I don't actually trust you, my girlfriend, because I think you might be the killer." I was laughing at that. And then by the time we get to Mindy in the basement with Amber and then like Jack Quaid being like, "Oh, I have to go down to the basement." And he's like, "Will you come with me?" And when she goes no, but you were right to ask. I You're was right like, okay, ask. actually, Mindy's also, in for me. That Mindy's whole, 100% in.
1: Her scene on the couch, like watching the Stab remake. Oh, yeah. of oh yeah. The scene in that room starring <laughs> her uncle. like The, the,
0: the lairs. The yeah, I, love, I, I love the meta. It, honestly. Yeah. We've reached the point where it can now refer to the in-universe version <laughs> of the first movie, right? And, yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. And I cool.
4: think that that's why I that's why I am hopeful for six, because origin stories have to take care of a lot, and we had to. This had to be an origin story movie for a possible future set a, a future ensemble while also wrapping up a 20 year long legacy property with its original cat. that is such a tall ask mm-hmm. and I do believe in these filmmakers specifically with how much fun we were having they, they they're having by the end and they they're so adept at mania again as we see in in ready or not they're so adept at that kind of mania that the, the third act just careens into mm-hmm. that I feel like now that the characters don't have to prove that they're in a Scream movie in Six and they're just in one together. I'm hoping, like similarly with the way Melissa Brera really blossomed in the end there, I'm hoping with all the legwork, that the the foundation building out of the way in Five, that Six can feel really unencumbered to just let these people be as fun as the end of this movie felt like it was for
1: me. I'm just, I'm worried about like whatever they do for the next ones because like yeah. the, the essential element of this Melissa character is that she is, uh, you know, she, she is what's-his-face's son. Is she? Yeah, is she, I hope we can she, just forget she, that good that or she bad. I don't want it to turn into like a dexter thing where it's no. like takes a murderer to murder the murderers.
3: Absolutely
4: <laughs> murderer.
3: Honestly, you know? if they
4: just keep recreating the series and then like they just go off to college together in the next one, I'll be like, Great, love it. Yeah, Scream sure. two again. Give it to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with with different jokes and gay.
0: <laughs> I wanted to point out one other thing that was in the filmmaker commentary that I thought was kind of interesting, which was the very end of the movie. Uh, like very, very end, like final two minutes. Uh, there's a moment when the main character, um, what's her name? Uh, Sam. Sam. Yeah. Sam goes up to Gail Weathers and Sidney Prescott, and Gail Weathers and Sidney Prescott are sitting in the in the ambulance. Right. David,
4: I cried. I mm-hmm. cried. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, sweet. It was, it was a nice
0: moment. It was a nice moment. And and it, you know, I'm glad you said that, Jordan, because what they said was basically <laughs> when when the when that scene played out, they're like, and as you can see here. Uh, you know, Courtney Cox and uh, Nev Campbell using the magic blankets, right? Because <laughs> yeah. all, they all have these, like, blankets on, these medical blankets on. And it's like, yeah. and, you know, in, if somebody was, in fact, shot in the stomach, they probably wouldn't be in a magic blanket. They'd be on a stretcher. You gotta, you gotta stay mm-hmm. warm. You gotta stay warm. But, yeah, the, the point they were making was it was more important for the emotional reality mm. that they be sitting upright, basically, Mm -hmm. than that they, like, have the conversation with Gail, like, with a mask on her face and on a stretcher. You know, like, it it just wouldn't have hit the same. And uh, I thought that was interesting. It's just an interesting comment that basically is like, it's more important to hit the emotional reality than the real reality Mm -hmm. of the scene, right? That makes sense. Um, I
4: I felt like when when Sam walks up to the, I loved the question when she was, like, am I gonna be okay? I thought Mm -hmm. that was a really creative question Mm because it's, like, yeah, that's literally the only person you can ask that question to, and, like, you don't know the answer. You don't know if you're going to be okay. It's very realistic to wonder if this is ever going to feel okay again. But like for the for the fear, the, the, such the fear that I had that Sydney would be killed for the sake of stakes coming into this. When when you know Sam looks at them and says thank you, and then there's just that tiniest beat where she says for everything. I was like, she's thanking them for me, and that really means a lot to me right now. Like I was. <laughs> fully in the bag like i yes thank you for everything by the time we get to the three in this franchise these characters feel so lived in they are being written there are scripts but they're so good at each being the characters that they are that it feels mm-hmm. like they just spin up the lines on the spot they are Gail. yeah they are dewey they are sydney and the fact that Sydney represents something greater than the super killer. And the fact that this franchise said we didn't have to pick one and we in fact got to have both Gail and Sydney survive through all of it. There didn't have to be a sole survivor and that Sydney being the nice one allowed Gail to just be a total bitch and Gail being a total bitch meant we didn't get bored with Sydney being the nice one. Cause we always had the balance of the two mm-hmm. and the ferocity that they each got to embody at so many points throughout the franchise It means so much. They, as survivors together, mean so much in the conversation of horror. And they're so good at being these characters and the emotional, delicate nature of what Nev Campbell brings to a pretty vanilla character in Sidney Prescott. Like, I I couldn't have been more grateful to have like an overt acknowledgement thank you for everything. Mm -hmm. I was like, I am grateful. Thank
1: you so much. I appreciate that. I almost feel like it it is a thing too. Like almost every requel kind of needs to have a scene like that. Just like thanking, thanking the old guard, bring on the new, but Mm -hmm. this one felt earned like by the, after all the things we've seen all these people go through. It's like, yeah, you guys, you are in your own little (laughs) trauma club at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Final question. I I, I, I just want to, I want
2: to, I'm curious what the, uh, the the scene that I would have liked to have seen. We, we never get to meet Mark, who is the the yes. husband, father I, of, of, of uh, Sydney's kids. Yeah, wait, but I was don't half we know Mark to
4: turn from up three?
0: In some way, yeah. he I would, don't,
4: Isn't that Patrick Dempsey? Hmm.
0: Is it? Oh god, I hope not.
1: They did end up it, at the
0: together at the end.
4: Yeah, right? they end up at the end yeah. of they end up together at the end of three. Mm, who knows what they yeah. are in four, but isn't Mark Is Patrick Mark? Dempsey? I don't, I don't remember. remember.
0: I think anyway, that's anyway, I think that's right. We gotta have some confirmation in the it, chat I will, room as well yeah. that that's the case. I am um, yeah. he's Mark Kincaid. Oh In man. Scream three. Oh, and at the end of Scream three. Detective
4: Kincaid, Mark yeah. Kincaid.
0: Yeah, yep. there, so, there you go. I, now yeah. Boo. Now i Boo. Hard boo on that. Boo. You,
4: potential shouldn't character. Another potential you shouldn't have character settled. You shouldn't have Scream six.
2: So. But the oh yeah, potential character for Scream six, get, get Patrick Dempsey, throw him a check. But um, <laughs> the scene that I would have loved to have seen, I mean, it, I guess. It kind of invalidates my argument now because I just assumed Mark was some uh civilian <laughs> right. that she some met. so I feel like maybe he would be a little more understanding, but I still would have enjoyed to see the scene where uh, you know, uh Sydney's like, hey, um, can you take the kids for a few days? <laughs> yeah. Oh, why? Why? Um you know that town that I lived in <laughs> yeah. where I almost got and murdered I a whole bunch of I'd times? never go back to? Yeah, one of my one of my good friends got murdered there. <laughs> oh! Oh no! That's horrible. Are, is it a memorial service? No, no! 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 I have to go back to try to murder murder yeah. the guy that murdered him.
1: Gotta, gotta clean it's, up some business over here. Yeah. It's
4: gonna be several memorial services, actually.
2: So Ugh. could you like I don't know? Could you just take the kids for a couple days, honey? Yeah, yeah.
4: They have no, a. Detective they have Kincaid a... knows she's going from. She Absolutely. knows the frying pan. Yeah, and fire. now she's going. Now that she I could just
1: say, uh, go face shit. It's just ghost face shit. I got. I got to go. It's ghost face shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ghost yeah, face yeah, shit. Every every eleven years it comes around. Every so. eleven yeah. years, like <laughs> clockwork. One thing uh, before we wrap because I know we're running late. We didn't talk about the motivation of the of the actual killers, and I think that is really interesting right. for right now because it really it, it does. That's the part As where you I'm
2: said, like for
4: the Twitterverse for the, the Twitterverse swipe,
1: the
2: swipe at Ryan Johnson. Harsh. <laughs>
1: Just harsh. Total no, uh, unnecessary He was pro-Ryan Johnson. This movie subscribe. was pro-Ryan, yeah, pro Ryan pro Ryan, anti-hater. Pro yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was uh, my yeah.
0: sense. Yeah,
4: as somebody who who will who will claim the The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie ever made. Me too, me my too. spidey senses of dragging well, that movie yeah, don't yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, fuck you for hating. He made the last, the last Jedi, Jedi guys,
3: bitches.
1: Guys, he made the last Jedi stab is, movies. Yeah. Go folks,
2: ahead. Folks. The, the 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 character that swipes at Ryan Johnson is Mindy. It's not it's not
3: Richie, I know. It's, I know. yeah, Minnie's
4: a horse's ass. Well, I love her, I think she's but our... nobody, nobody who talks about movies like that is not a jackass. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, <laughs> you know yeah, me.
2: I don't know. I also, I, know.
0: I kind of agree with Jordan on this one. I did not feel like it came out anti-Ryan Johnson, in my opinion. It was, it, it did seem to me to be anti-hater, but, uh, but yes, we're we're talking about the motivation. Who who brought this up? Was it? I was. That was me. Yeah. But it was more like it is.
1: It is only things we are talking about, basically. Like I, I have tried to talk about movies with like civilians <laughs> we could talk we could talk to them Norm, like normal normies. normal people like i somehow ended up going to my first uh, time i saw fury road was like in a, in a screening with people i like but uh we were also in a group of friends which is just like normal human beings right so i couldn't yeah i couldn't be like that is one of the most goddamn best movies i've ever seen could you believe this movie exists and <laughs> they're just like yeah, it was cool. It was cool <laughs> when the motorcycle went Zoom and uh, jumped up in the air. But, yeah,
4: that's like when I go home and talk about movies with my family.
1: Exactly, exactly. But it is kind of fascinating to see that be the linchpin of this entire plot. Uh, I cackled a bit because it was also spot on in terms of like, uh, I don't know, how certain certain types of fandom, they, they think they're good. They totally. think they're not being toxic, but they're they literally murdering people.
2: Every single person in this movie hates Stab 8. Mm-hmm. Which is the movie that <laughs> Ryan Johnson was supposedly yes. directed? Yeah. So I don't see how we how we're pro Ryan Johnson. I don't know. Hey, I need to see point, some stab
1: eight. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Everybody. Everybody says stab eight doesn't understand what the fans wanted and was was dumb and
4: because that's exactly what people said about yeah. Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi when they were wrong that he didn't I, understand, I, I understand what the fans wanted. I understand
2: <laughs> the reference, but everyone in the film. Seems to be on one one side of the argument. I anyway, the I, I bristled yeah. because I agree with you, Jordan. I am that's I am great. on team Last Jedi, as, as mm-hmm. listeners to this show very well know. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, the hyper jump missile is one of the coolest things that mm-hmm. anybody's ever done in camera, and that's just that's that.
0: I thought it was uh pretty cool that this movie took a harsh dig against CinemaSins, as far as I could tell. <laughs> really, really took the wind out of their sails.
4: But, yeah, yeah. But- I I loved I I loved the I loved the motivation and and I I think the. I, I think why the motivation played so well for me is because truly those two actors are going so full manic mm-hmm. by the, the time they're screaming about what they have done. I was buying into them completely. I was like, of course these fucking idiots are these people have so many burner accounts they have threatened so many people's lives like that character like jack wade's character has for sure threatened to show up at the homes of women on the internet like Mm. he has shown up at the homes of Mm -hmm. women in real life that's what we're doing here like this is this is a predator and i i loved the fact that it does take it to like the insanely like extreme degree of him being a ghost face. But like this behavior of this kind of like virulent, angry possessiveness and the, the aggressiveness that spins out of it towards people on the internet, it's actually not detached from real world violence. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not actually separated Mm -hmm. from how people behave in their normal lives. It's not just online personas. Like people, some, some people perhaps only in, in far out there cases, like outside the bell curve, those guys are real. They are very real. And that kind of violence starts little somewhere and it becomes actually physically hurting people and oftentimes women. So I thought that was a, I really liked wrapping that in together Mm -hmm. with that kind of that kind of possessiveness and that kind of hostility actually does equate to violence i thought that was really sad it's the, also, i think
2: it's the strongest part of the movie but it, it's nothing new for this franchise right it's it, it certainly becomes clear re-watching yeah. the films that th- that has been the central theme of this entire franchise is that
0: yeah starting back to scream one yeah yes yeah
2: film fans are the, the villains worst. in this franchise the worst yeah, yeah.
0: we're mm-hmm. the worst we're the worst we're the worst
4: um they're not yeah and they're not they're not
1: wrong. <laughs>
0: have you heard us? Well, I, mean, I think yeah, in uh. ni-
2: 1997, I would have said they were wrong, but it turned out I was wrong. <laughs> to think that?
4: Well, mm-hmm. like outside of like out of like outside of like straight up like evil corners of the internet, like outside of like fascist twitter kind of shit film twitter is the worst collection of people talking about any given thing my fucking god between the noses buried so far up everybody's assholes and the like (laughs) insistence on like victimization constantly it's like guys conflict is not violence like i don't know what you like calm down i just and the amount of dick swinging and like posturing and peacocking they were the fucking worst. Hey,
1: th- that's what you know. The next screen movie just has to really lean into it. Just like pick a bunch of Twitter people and like oh, make yes. that be the killing circle. Call them um, out by name. Sir. Call my them idea. Out. My
4: idea for next screen movie is it's just full John Wick, and they have to kill their way out of a building with infinite ghost face bad guys. Mm. Mm.
2: I think That'd that's what Stab Eight is.
4: <laughs> oh, is
1: that stab eight? Oh, it, okay.
2: It sounds like... I mean, based on right. the, the little bits of images that you see, it's like a bunch of ghost faces and they're all ultra violent. Yeah.
0: F- final question to wrap things up, which is uh, where do you think this uh, this one ranks for you in the mm-hmm. uh, Scream Pantheon? Uh, it, when you compare it to like, you know, one, two, three, and four, is it uh, near the top? Is it near the bottom? What do you guys think, Jordan? Where, yeah. I I know I'm asking you to choose like your favorite children, but like, what? No, I
4: know, and I and I I don't even mean for this to be a cop out. Like, <laughs> one through it, it, I will. Like, I had a great time watching this. I will kind of say for me, one through four are kind of tied, and then this one's right below them.
3: Mm, like, wow! I don't, I,
4: I, I, It's not the, it's not the West Run, but I don't begrudge it for that. But I like, um, I think it was brought up earlier, like. It doesn't go out of the. It doesn't come screaming out of the gates like say Scream Four does. Mm -hmm. I was all in each Scream movie from the very beginning, and I really had to warm to this one and like settle into it. And by virtue of that fact, I couldn't put it tantamount to to the other Screams. But I I say it with a zero reservations recommending. It is not in the dead heat tie like one through four is. Just a little little half step below it.
0: How about you, Devendra? Any thoughts on where this ranks for you? uh, The first will always be that that movie is one of my favorites of all time.
1: So that movie, number one forever. I think at this point, and even when I first saw it, Scream 4 is my number two. And I'm just really debating what's up here. But this will probably end up being my number three. Like, I I like the the other ones, like, uh, on certain levels. But in terms of, like, actual movies that, you know, did really cool work with the concept and whatnot. Like, uh, I think this one's pretty
0: successful. Jeff, any thoughts?
2: Four, one, two, five, three.
0: That's pretty cool. close to mine as well. Mine is nice. 14253. So, yes, this is I I would say uh 1 is the top for me, uh 4 is pretty good as well and 2 is pretty good as well. And then this one's like under those and then at the a distant fifth is number 3. That's what I would say. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh th- I find
4: with I find with 1 through 4, they're each accomplishing something very specific for me, so I have a hard time setting them against each other because I'm like, no, you each satisfied me in a different way. And then this feels like six, five feels like it's, it is a yet another new conversation and a conversation. I hope to hope I come to love as much as I loved one through four. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for us for our review of scream 2022. You can find more episodes of this podcast at the filmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song Comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his new project, Varsity Blue. Our uh, spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Our weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Stick around to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Jordan Cruciola, thanks again for joining us. And people can check you out at the Feeling Scene podcast. You want to tell people what that is?
4: Uh, Yes, I would love to. Thank you Uh, uh, for the wonderful, wonderful uh, outlet that is Maximum Fun. I am hosting the Feeling Scene podcast where each episode I have on a different guest, people who make movies for a living, people who write about movies for a living. It's a broad spectrum. uh, And I have uh, people bring to the table a character that they felt was very representative of them from film. Sometimes it's multiple characters, sometimes it's just one. And uh, it's just trying to get at sort of what is the empathetic effect of the things that we see on screen? What is the inspirational effect of of the characters that we see on screen and how does relating to them or crucially, how do, how do the ways in which we can't relate to people on screen because we don't have options perhaps that exist at the intersection of how we exist? How do we cope and how do we you know, creative genius our ways into the places that people have not made space for us to fit sort of right out of the box. And I've had some wonderful conversations with people so far who've been so generous with me in in talking about this. And I hope you guys will tune in because I think we're having some, some really cool conversations.
0: Be sure to check out the Feeling Scene podcast at Maximum Foment. It, it's available wherever podcasts can be downloaded. Next week, we'll be discussing Matt Reeves' new film, The Batman. Uh, and if you are a patron of ours at patreon dot com slash film podcast, and everything goes according to plan, you should get that review earlier than everyone else. You should get it um, hopefully on opening day or th- uh, there soon after. So, Patreon.com slash film podcast. Thanks to everyone who supports us over there. Uh, be sure to sign up also for ad-free episodes as well as exclusive After Darks. And every now and then with a big movie like this, if we can all see it in advance, uh, we will deliver it to you early. That's The Batman next week on the Filmcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later.